We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle have picked up a point on the road at Brighton, nil-nil at the Amex Stadium yesterday. And I'm Alex Hurst. I have Simon Campbell, Charlotte Robson and Emil Franchi to talk through what happened and why we had Charlotte and Emile in the away end. We're going to find out about their blisteringly hot day in Brighton. We're going to talk about the game itself and also a little bit uh, about the context of this point because Newcastle, I don't think it's unfair to say, probably should have lost that game or definitely should have lost that game in that second half. Brighton and Graham Potter feel very aggrieved to have just picked up a point. But you know what? It's four, it's four points after two games, zero goals conceded. We've had worse starts very recently, almost every single year. So we're in a decent place. We'll talk about that too. Quick point from me, if you listen to this podcast now, you'll already know we're on Patreon, a platform that gives you uh, probably about 30 additional Newcastle United podcasts that we make per month uh, for just £8, £2 a week. If you like what we do, uh, get involved. We would love to have you. Um, Lots of people already do it and we're grateful to them. Emil, I'll start with you, mate, because um, I'd love to find out from you and Charlotte how your day was yesterday. It looked hot on the telly. It looked too hot to play football, but they managed it. It also looked quite hot to watch football, particularly as the sun was on parts of the way end. Good day, mate. Yeah, um, much nicer than the, the last trip to Brighton when it was cold and windy in the Amex and wet. And yeah, it was like the the opposite extreme. Uh, the, the The heat definitely got worse as it went on um the sun started creeping round to the uh the first few rows of the away end and um you, some fans were actually like climbing back uh on the seats to to go further into the shade as it went up i think there was some guy who was next to me initially uh, ended up about four or five rows back at the end and um said oh i'll meet you outside um it was yeah it was very warm and uh, obviously that will have had an effect on the players i know we've seen the enforced drinks breaks in over the um over the course of the weekend um, I guess that's what Man United can blame for being so shit as well. So, um, yeah, it's very much um, a very hot, hot day. And um, whilst it was very enjoyable, um, it'll be nice to get back to some normal heat because uh, maybe then we'll we'll be able to uh, finish games off as well. This sounds like a smart man, the man who was moving out of the sun towards the back yeah, of the yeah. stand. Yeah, slowly but surely. Charlotte, uh, how was it for you? And I suppose, you know, in, in general... Brighton's always, it, it's very, very far, and you travelled from Newcastle for it. Um, whereas, Amelia, you, you were in London, weren't you? So just, Charlotte, a little bit about your day, your weekend, your experience. 
Yeah, it's a very long way to go from Newcastle. So uh, especially further when there's train strikes. So I hired a car and came down to London, drove down to Brighton, drove back to London, have stayed at a friend's and I'm going back. Uh, worth it for a point maybe just about um it was it, brighton is lush it's lush in the sunshine it's just a very long way to go um but it was a, it was a ridiculously hot day um i think there i think there were people collapsing in the stands from the heat um so yeah it was a, it was a it was it's a long way to go i kind of wish it had been a better performance but uh, i will i will take a point yeah it is a long way to go and you know, this season we've got three South Coast games. If we could get a point from all three, I think probably most fans would be happy. And we'll talk about that. Let, like, let's get into it. Si, if I come to you, mate, a little bit of discussion on, on my social media anyway. I know everyone has their own individual tailored tweets that the social media giants feed into us to make us happy. But there was kind of a lot of, there was kind of the discourse was, Wow, that was a bit shit from Newcastle. Didn't expect that because they've been so good and the standards they've set themselves have been so high in 2022 in particular. That was a little bit below that. And then there was people saying, like, how dare you question that? A point at Brighton is a brilliant point. It's away from home in the Premier League. The lads are class. The lads are brilliant. Don't you dare question them. Where do you stand on this one? So that, that they are two extremes. I'm sure no one listened to this thinks either way. But that's what I saw. So that's what I'm going to ask you. Yeah, obviously the easy thing to do would be say it's somewhere in the middle, which which it is. But um, listen, we, we we don't know if Brighton are really good yet. We don't know if that's a good point at Brighton. I mean, they they beat Man U last week, but look at the state of Man U this week. You know, that's that's looking like an average result beating Man U, um, <laughs> and they they failed to score, having four or five guilt edge chances. Does that make them good, or does that make them them sloppy and and wasteful? Um, so yes, a point away from home in the Premier League is not to be sniffed at ever, ever. You know, against any team, drawing away from home is not the end of the world. So it's not a catastrophe. But also, I think you've got to accept that it's not Brighton. We want to finish above Brighton this season, and if you want to finish above teams, you have to beat them at football. So I think we're allowed to look at that and think, you know, that that's not the best result we could have hoped for against this team, and the performance more so. Um, you're allowed to sort of look at that and say, well, why didn't we beat them? And then you start to think, actually, that was wasn't a very good performance overall. And really, Brighton should have won, uh, as he said at the start of the show. Um, if you, I, I watched back the highlights this morning, and my God, there was some some canny bad miss. The weird thing about the whole thing is that Nick Pope hasn't really Nick Pope hasn't really made a great save, but they have missed some guilt edge chances and probably should have won the game comfortably. So it, it's a lucky point, and therefore it's not a great performance. So I think we're allowed to be a little bit disappointed in, in how we how we performed yesterday. And I, yeah, I'm yet to. It's far too early to say the the a point at Brighton is 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 a great result. It, it's an okay result. We know it's it, it is, but um, yeah, that, that's that's what I have to say on the matter. I think you make a very good point about you know this is a podcast and we ha- we have to force conclusions in order to have the debate. But but realistically, you know the the result against Nottingham Forest last week, like you say, I mean, sire, I guess it was an exaggeration saying winning two one at Old Trafford is just an all right result. Um, still a very good result, even if Man United are bad, which they are. And I would take a win at Old Trafford. I wish we were playing Man United next week, not Man City. <laughs> but I think it is. We, we won't know for a little while. I think. I think objectively, Brighton are good. You know, they, they are. They are a good side. Um, they are going to be in the hunt for the top ten this season, at least. I think the way Brighton play and the chances they create, I imagine they have. You know, designs on 
more than just repeating the success of last season in a top 10 finish. Um, but having said that, the way I've heard it described that the Amex is a really, really hard place to go. It's not the last two seasons, Brighton have had a better away record than a home record and their home records being one of the poorest in the league last two seasons. Uh, they only won five of the last 20 home games now, um, which is like relegation home form, really. Um, they draw a lot, which <laughs> isn't surprising after yesterday. I still think Brighton are good. I still think a point away at Brighton is a good point, both uh, looking at where Newcastle United have come from and where they are right now. Brighton is a good point. But I don't buy the idea that it's some sort of like, you know, um, miracle point that, you know, you just you, you, you can't look beyond a, a point at Brighton. I think most people listening to this would have taken a point before the game and therefore a point after the game is positive. Like I said, no goals conceded, four points. It gives us that nice little cushion. If if we do lose to Man City, you know, that we can then go into Wolves away still on four points from from three games. And that's 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 a very reasonable place to be at the start of a Premier League season. Having said that, like I just said before, um, you know, I expected a lot more from Newcastle yesterday. It didn't happen. No team plays well every single week. Um, it's it's not, you know, it's not the way football works. But I was disappointed. And I think Eddie Howe was disappointed. I think he said that in his post match comment. He was he was really pleased with the point because of the performance almost. Um, and you know, I thought it was quite funny when he was like, "We basically won the first half of the first half. We were class." <laughs> so he's basically saying, "Well, like seventy-five percent of the game, we were far from class." And he would be correct in that assessment. Charlotte, really keen on your thoughts from the UA end because there is Wi-Fi in Brighton Stadium. Gosh, the impossibility of Wi-Fi at a football ground. How nice it would be at St James's Park to have something similar. Um, we were able to stay in touch throughout the game, and you were kind of texting me. You were ahead of me in the future, behind me in the size stream. Um, and, you know, it, you, you were kind of saying the way in the second half was getting particularly frustrated. Where do you stand, Charlotte, as someone who was there on the whole performance v the result type discussion? I think it was just a difficult one because it was frustrating. Brighton came out on, you know, attacking after the uh after the half time and uh and they were they were pressing a lot more than we were um they were also you know further away from the um from us so a lot of the action you're very far away a lot from a lot of the action in the away end uh, the sun was creeping up over us all. We weren't creating any chances. And, um, and you know, the fans were getting sort of, there were a lot of sunburned bodies. And, you know, the fans were getting tired, I think, uh, without much to kind of go on on the pitch. Um, so it was, it was, I think people were getting antsy. Um, we were, We just needed that kind of one goal to kind of break things break things down a little bit and it just wasn't coming um I, I still think it was a good away end it's just a weird away end because there's so much energy because of the sun because of everything before it, uh before it started and then I, I think expectation after uh Nottingham Forest so um it was just yeah it was just it just got it was a little bit of a weird one um by the by the end and and a lot of the old songs were coming out which i think always often means like the away ends getting a little bit antsy and 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 not too happy with what's going on on the pitch was your experience the same emil and and, and also your thoughts on 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 this debate yeah i think it was getting frustrated i think they were getting um 
like Charlotte said, they were getting a bit like tetchy towards it. Um, I think there was definitely good energy going into it. Um, it was, you know, classic Brighton away and where everyone just piled in and it was very much like, I don't have a clue where anyone's meant to be sat. So we're just going to see. And then to be at the other end of the pitch, kicking towards the other end of the pitch for the, um, for the first half as well, that, that was also very like, you know, you didn't really know what was going on. It's very hard to see what's going on at Brighton because it's quite a low, low stand. But um yeah, I think that it really showed yesterday that Newcastle are desperate for that that next attacker. Um, you know, Almiron was was trying his best to break through and do his uh, thing where he he gets forward and he's um, you know maybe wins the odd free kick or, or tries to do something. Um, didn't think the referee was giving as much at all. Um, it was very very frustrating as well. So that that added to things, um, whether right or wrong, uh, people were getting a little bit annoyed at it. Um, I mean. Yeah, options-wise, going forward, Sam Maximan, I don't think, had a good game. I think a lot of people are starting to to get fairly, you know, agitated by his style um, in that nothing was really happening. And that, in turn, isolated Callum Wilson. In in short, I think it, it showed off the, the lack of attacking options. Um, the, the other thing, of course, is that Forrest were a worse team than Brighton. I know Brighton weren't much better, but um, Brighton did a lot better to, to keep Newcastle out and... Um, yeah, I just, I just really hope that by Man City or, or Liverpool, when the transfer window does come to a close, Newcastle have got that that second option because I, th- I think defensively, Newcastle are much better than where we were uh, twelve months ago. Um, you know, you've got you've got the astuteness of uh, Trippier. Dan Byrne had a great return to his to his former home, got a nice reception as well. Um, Botman, I think, had a, a solid game. It's just it's it's really not offering anything going forward. And I, I think when when the subs came on, that that was particularly like, oh, okay, well, we're not going to win today because I don't think Jacob Murphy's going to be the one to to do anything either. Yeah, well, we are going to get get into that a little bit more. We'll call it there for part one of the show. There are some adverts coming up now. You know what to do if you want to listen to this show without the ads. Join us on Patreon for £8 per month. Back after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
Charlotte, you wanted to raise the point that Emil has just alluded to there about the subs bench yesterday. It is uh, a little bit of a concern to a, to a lot of fans. In fact, no, it's not. It's a big concern to a lot of fans that um, as the game went on, Brighton got better and their subs made an impact on the game. And there is a school of thought that suggests that Jacob Murphy and Chris Wood are not going to affect many Premier League games from the bench. What are, what are your thoughts, Charlotte? Yeah, I think um, I was really concerned by the subs as soon as I saw the subs bench. I was like, oh, OK, we've got um, Mankio, who hasn't played in the squad for ages. We've got Richie. We've got Dummett, Lascelles, Chris Wood, Jacob Murphy. Like, lots of people have expressed and one of them expressed sort of surprise that Murphy st- hasn't been moved on this summer. Um, and and yet he's coming on as our sub. I think the problem we've got, which you've rightly said there, Alex, is Brighton can keep attacking, can keep, can change the game with their substitutions. We cannot. Like, we it, it, when when you bring on Chris Wood and Jacob Murphy and Sean Longstaff, to me, I'm, like, what I'm hearing there is that um we're we're just we're just hoping to to hold on to the nil nil when we're not actually going to be making any kind of substantive strategic changes there it's just fresh legs to kind of try and hold on so if we're playing games against teams that are better than brighton and there are teams that are better than brighton um how are we how are we going to get even a point out of those games with that kind that kind of subs bench i have a lot of concerns about it i know eddie howe is a good manager i know that he's developing these players and i don't want to denigrate you know the players that are on the bench but a lot of those players have have been like since 2016 2017 and it's just um to me it's just it's not re- it's not strong enough it's not going to change the game and uh, i have big concerns about that well said that that, that is the concern isn't it? i think you actually made the point to me yesterday charlotte on such a hot day it seemed like eddie howe didn't bring the subs on until quite late considering how tired the players looked and that's probably because there's such a drop off in quality and you know, for those of us who've kind of talked up Newcastle's push, at least for the top six credentials this season, yesterday was a bit of a reminder on two fronts. Number one, uh, what we're talking about now, it, there's just such a drop-off in quality from the bench. You know, Ryan Fraser wasn't fit. He comes on and, and maybe is is at least an acceptable sub for uh, Almiron at ASM. But Murphy and Wood, everything that we've seen from them so far in the Newcastle career, if they were both lining up for championship teams yesterday, I don't think there would be a massive outcry across the country that these two lads weren't playing Premier League football. Doesn't mean that they can't contribute positively for Newcastle United this season. I'm sure they will at some point. But there's a, it was kind of a rubbish feeling yesterday. I mean, Sai, get your thoughts. I think we said it while we were watching the game that from about 75 minutes onward, it was very clear that that a point was going to be a good result for Newcastle. And that that's disappointing as well, that we didn't kind of enter those 15, last 15, 20 on kind of an equal footing in terms of expectation. It was like, if we get a point out of this, we're going to do really well. Um, such was Brighton's ascendancy as the game went on. Um, you know, your thoughts on that? Is, it, is that a worry? Or, you know what, we've, we've played one game, we haven't got beat, we've got a point of... Am I approaching this from a too negative direction? Because after all, four points, two games, two clean sheets is is class. Yeah, <clears throat> and we're fourth on the table, which is which is always yeah, nice. Exactly. <laughs> but 
Everything Charlotte said is right. The, the lack of depth is a worry um, for not so much for impact off the bench for me, but also um, just one slight injury or one slight change to the team really, really impacts us. So, I mean, Dan Byrne was excellent at the left-back yesterday. He made a lot of key challenges and really, really effective defensively. But he was never going to be linking up with Maximan going forward. He's never going to be linking up with Bruno, Joe Linton and offering anything going forward like Matty Target does, even if it's just a pass to lay off and, and knock it back onto somebody else. So we immediately lost a bit of um, impetus on the left-hand side. Maximan, I, I don't know what was up with him yesterday. He was doing a lot of limping around, but he sometimes does that when he's having a bad game. So we don't know if he was injured or not, but he had a bad game, which meant that we had nothing on the left-hand side. And then we came weirdly lopsided to the right, and we are trying everything through, through Miggy, who also had a bit of a stinker. So we... We what the problem we had is that both of our wide players who have no competition for their position at the moment had bad games. There was nothing we could do about it. Um, you're absolutely right. He, he clearly didn't want to bring on subs any sooner because we just get worse. Um, our best chance of winning the game was Maximan or, or Miggy or Willick doing something. And as soon as we got to 75 minutes when Brighton were really piling on the pressure, it was right. We better get Longstaff on to give us a bit more control in midfield. We'll have to just put Murphy on to see if we can catch him on the break by put, putting him in behind, but he, he didn't really affect the game. And to be fair, Wood at the end was probably just protecting Wilson, who after 87 minutes in that heat, it's not worth getting injured for that last five minutes. So none of those subs were meant to change that game. They were just just game management, which we've got to give credit for. You know, that's it's sensible from Eddie Howe of realizing, look, we're probably not going to win here. We're probably there's probably nothing I can do here other than just to try and manage this game and see it out and take the point. So that's good. That's good from Eddie Howe. It's it's good that he's realised rather than run players into the ground or try anything silly. But yes, frustrating in terms of squad depth, frustrating in terms of one little change, the fact that Burns had to play, that Maxi, it's it's kind of knocked us all out of kilter. And then when a couple of players don't have a great game, I mean, Wilson as well, by the way, he was absolutely dominated by Lewis Dunk all game. So he had, he had a poor game and really, really struggled to have any impact on it. But there's nothing we can do about that. I, I wouldn't have expected Chris Wood to do any better. So that's why he's not come under the 85th minute. So yes, there's definitely a, some concerns there around depth. I probably didn't have a couple of weeks ago because I thought some of the other lads were, were looking like they might offer something, but it wasn't evident at all yesterday, was it? But again, maybe that's the heat. It's early days. Good results. I'm trying not to get too carried away with my negativity. <laughs> um, Emil, I'm, I'm going to try, and, and this is probably very unfair on Brighton, but I'm going to try and provide somewhat of an excuse for Newcastle night yesterday. And that is... We are an all-action, man-to-man pressing side. Brighton press as well. I think they pressed man-to-man yesterday. Um, but Brighton let the ball do more of their talking than Newcastle. Do you think that it was simply impossible? As someone who experienced the game firsthand, it was simply impossible for both teams to play like they wanted to, particularly Newcastle United because of the heat or Madge's clutch in here, because it was such an error-strewn game. It was so error-strewn. There was there was all sorts going on, which was just not to, at the standard that you'd expect of two decent Premier League sides. And I, I think Newcastle, in particular, in the midfield, really struggled with the heat. Am I being r- ridiculous here? Is this Steve Bruce-esque from me blaming the heat for <laughs> Newcastle not winning the game? Well, it, it's extreme heat. So I mean, there's 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 no other way to look at it. Um, players really, or or athletes in general will struggle in conditions that make, you know, even fans feel like you, you can't stand and sing. Like I, I had a few moments where I, I took a moment just to sit back on the chair using someone as 
someone as like a shadow uh, to get out of it. So yeah, running around in it, no matter what your fitness levels, I imagine is is going to be tough. Um, and yeah, of course, look, we, we might we might get to the next game or we might play Brighton in the I don't know when we play them at home, but you know it could be like coming out of coming out of the winter uh, when it's a little bit fresher out there. So naturally, it's going to be like that. I I think it definitely did show. Um, maybe it was the curse of the the weird fourth away kit that we've got as well. Um, it's it's going to be forever uh, plagued. Uh, but no, it was it was definitely. Uh, it was it was it was showing and like i say whether that was maxi dragging his feet uh wilson not really able to get into any uh, positions of that. I mean, like like we've, we've discussed there, that the subs coming on didn't make anyone look fresher. Um, no matter what the the level ability of of, of Ward and Murphy, um, them coming on still isn't going to help because they're going to be sweating. Um, and yeah, it, it was it's a it's a shame because I think there was a good game in there. Um, I don't think either team really. Uh, deserved to win in the end. I know Brighton had a few more, but really their their shots weren't what you would say the, the, the shots that were testing Newcastle. I think Nick Pope did. I mean, just to, to kind of disagree with you, side. I think Pope had quite a good game. Um, there was a few moments where he was there, and I, I think there was a. I wasn't sure who it was, but I think it was maybe Trippier and Pope towards the. The, the the second the end of the second half when that that potential goal could have gone in for Brighton and it was cleared off the line that was a okay that's a scary moment can we please stop doing that please um, but yeah there was it's 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 hard to say obviously yeah it, it could be a quick one I think it wouldn't be it wouldn't really be Bruce to blame whether it's very much a Pardew thing isn't it He'd probably blame blame uh, with, with his Notting Hill Carnival things and all sorts going through time but um, yeah it's um, yeah, I mean, give, give me that game in a, a different climate. We'll we'll probably have a, a better chance. Yeah, I, yeah. I just I just want to be clear that I, I don't think um, Nick Pope had a bad game. He was he was he was good, but I don't think he's the reason we we drew. I think um, Brighton's wastefulness and a couple of goal line clearances. You're right; he did get a hand to the the trip you want, but then share as well off the line. Um, Pope was perfectly good, perfectly good, but he hasn't made any world class saves. It's not like we was he was picking them out the top corner like. Yeah, no right saving them. Like all well, the, I do all think, their... I do think that he's he's better now. Sorry, it, it's the the defense is. We've talked about it before with Dubravka. The less work that the keeper has to do is very much testament to the 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 improved defense. I would say. Yeah, I know. I thought generally defensively we were very good. We we defended yeah. very well. I was very pleased with Botman. Like I say, Dan Byrne at left back, slotting in there did a very good job. Cher was all right. You know, he cleared that one off the line. Trippier got done a couple of times, but you're going to get that against against Trossard. He's he's tricky. He's fast. And then that Japanese lad who came on was was having his life for, for about 10, 15 minutes towards the end, but probably more testament to her to how tired we were. Um, but yes, I think Brighton on another day, with, with regardless of the goalkeeper, should be scoring two or three of those chances. Lalana's channeled his inner St. Maximan from last week with the header, where he's kind of shut his eyes and just sort of glanced at it at goal. And it's a good save from Pope, but it's a save he should be making. And then yeah, they're just they're just scuffing shots wide and there's uh, hitting them at, at the keeper pretty much. So. I just think um, Brighton should really be winning that 3-0 and, and Potter will be gutted that they've, they've wasted all those chances, uh, whereas we only really had one really decent chance to, to score a goal in the entire game. So I think that's where my uh, my concern about that comes from and where I'm kind of... Pope was class and I'm, I'm happy he's our number one and I, I wouldn't change that. But yeah, I just think he, he wasn't the reason we, we've, we've snuck a, a point here. One thing to say for Newcastle yesterday was... If we could just sort the shape of Dan Burns' skull out, probably 
like score loads more because he <laughs> gets some fantastic heading opportunities. It's the old fifty pence head in it, like you know that he had a free header yesterday, second half, and it, we we saw on the replay like the the angle from behind, and you just like head that back where it came from, Dan, and it's top corner keeper can't save it, and instead it's with Emil's mate who's hiding in the shade at the back of the stands, like. Burn like he gets himself free of defenders. He gets himself in some great positions, but God is attacking headers on goal about. I think it was Ben Sai who we were sat with who said it's basically like he thinks he's he's back defending when the ball comes to his head. He's like great great clearance, Dan. Oh no, I'm supposed to score. Um, but that's a couple of times against Forest. It's really promising against Forest and uh, and Brighton where he really should have scored in both games. And yeah. it brings me on to what will happen next with him. Um, and Charlotte, I'll come to you for this one. Sven Botman played yesterday, a bit of a surprise. And obviously, you know, um, he, got a, he got a game because of Matt Target's unfortunate injury, which kept him out. Dan Byrne moved across to left back. Um, Sven Botman looked really good uh, for me. Um, and that's before he played football. You know, it just he just looks good. He's big, tall, athletic, young man. The shirt fits very nicely on him. He looks like a real, like he just looks like a Rolls Royce footballer. But how did he play for you, Charlotte? What did you make of his debut? You know, I thought he looked like he had been in this squad for ages. I thought he was really comfortable on the ball. I thought defensively we put on a great um, a great performance. I thought Dan Byrne coped very well with being pushed out to the left. At first, I wondered if we were going to try and use Botman in that position because uh, I think he can play left-footed, but um, I'm glad that we kept him to his sort of natural uh, sort of centre-back position and pushed Dan Byrne out there because... Um, because uh, he he's very good. Um, it 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 didn't feel like um a, a like a significant debut. Like oh look, he's just bedding in. It looked like he's played with that defense for a very long time. Um, and uh, and and he's also he, he, you know is a Rolls Royce of a of a footballer. But he's also like he doesn't seem flashy in that way. He just sort of he's massive, but he just gets on with it. He's he worked really hard. Um, he works really well with with Pope and with uh, with that defensive back line. I think he and Shaw work well together. So, um, so yes, I think I'm very excited to see what else he can do. But generally, I thought he looked extremely comfortable, and I'm you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm buzzing that he's part of the squad. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. Yeah, I mean that's one of the major positives for me from yesterday was his in, his inclusion, like you say, Charlotte. It just the fact that. He just it was kind of like a seven out of ten, and it's just it hasn't really generated much debate for for a twenty two year old to come into the Premier League and on a really tough it, it's you know Brighton are good and that was a really hot day in Brighton yeah there was a lot of defending to do second half and then um, that's almost like a victory for him in itself is that it just seems so natural it is going to be really interesting who plays against Man City. Um, I mean, you know, formation might come into it. They might, you might play three centre backs after the mauling they gave us back in April or May. And I just love the, one of the positive things. It's the first time passes. Um, it's the first time passes with both feet. It's the total opposite. I'm sad to say to pick on someone who wasn't playing, but of Jamal Lascelles, who kind of needs three touches of the ball every time it comes to him. Botman's knocking balls away from him within like one second of the of the ball being received, and that's just that just looked and felt good. It was one of the highlights of yesterday. It'd be like when you watch teams like Man City never play. That's how their centre backs play, and even someone like Fabian Cher and Dan Byrne, who are really good on the ball, um, 
they're probably not as comfortable as what I saw from Botman yesterday. So really enthused about that. Emil, you'd like to mention a little bit about his progression in the team. Yeah, I mean, we've we've all said, haven't we, that um, one of the benefits of Eddie Howe, um, amongst the, the long list uh, that we've all got about him, um, is getting people into the team. So Bruno, for example, when he when he first arrived, um, what we got like the, the occasional two minutes from him. And then eventually he, he really showed us what he could do. And I think it was that, that weird game against Southampton uh, with the back, back heel, um, a backflip there. He didn't, he didn't do that. No. Um, and then there was, um, yeah, Botman coming in. It's, it's interesting to be like, right, well, what's going to happen? Like you say, Alex, is he going to be like, well, Botman had a great game. Eddie Howe's renowned for rewarding good performances with, with a, a stay in the team. Um, I mean, for me, I, I always thought that, potentially having Dan Byrne at left back was going to be a, a thing that we'd start the season with. Um, Target might struggle to to get back in the team, um, but you know it's going to be it's going to be hard one to call. I think really the defence is is probably one of those difficult situations. Now you've got Cher who obviously had a fantastic first game. Um, you've got Trippier who is just undroppable. Um, now pretty much the captain, isn't he? So. I think we see the different class of these players and it's going back to what we talked about in the January window, the, the ruthlessness of, of um, how and his, his team, you've, you've got to be like, right, well, who's the better player? Are we going to start him? Yes, that's it. And, and possibly we'll see, um, we'll possibly see Bot- Botman in, in that role more often because we, we paid the money for him and it took long enough to get there. Don't waste a talent like that on the bench. I mean, he's, he's, he's played in the Champions League earlier in the year. So, um, yeah. No, totally agree, mate. Totally agree. And I would not be disappointed to see him starting in the future, as harsh as that is on Dan Byrne um, and his 50 pence head. Sai, Bruno Kamarish did a bit of a John Joe Shelby yesterday. We didn't get the full statement after the break. It was always Brighton, isn't it? Feel Players feel compelled to apologise. Bruno said <laughs> that uh, it wasn't his best game or a long way from it, but we're happy with the point. Um, he struggled a little bit, and it, it's it's the last couple of games now, and I even think the Arsenal game at the back end of last season too, where he's being dispossessed in places you don't want to be dispossessed as a central midfielder. What did he make of his performance? Yeah, I think he is learning fast. Um, uh, by, by the way, I, I've, I've already mentioned Maximan and, and Miggy. You know, he's, he's Bruno, another key player who didn't have his best game, and 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 yeah, by his own admission, he's he's gone out and said that. Um, refreshing as it is to have players willing to kind of put their hands up and say even after a draw that wasn't a wasn't our finest moment um whereas this time last year would have the manager absolutely beaming at a, at a nil-nil draw where we'd been battered for the last for the last half an hour but yeah Bruno um I think he's learning very fast that because he's so good he is now being targeted the players um of opposition teams are not giving him a second on the ball that kind of casual relaxed way in which he kind of takes a touch and lays it off he's not getting the the extra second he was getting before so he's having to think quicker he's having to learn that that they're just not going to give him that time and that's already happening you know as a new player last at the start of this year people didn't know much about him and didn't know how effective he was going to be receiving the ball and and turning and and finding a pass that Brighton did not let him do that once yesterday really like he barely got a chance to get the ball out of his feet and look for a pass he was he was set upon by one or two midfielders immediately and he just had to lay it off to a fullback or, or knock it back to to um to Botman or someone each time he got the ball um defensively he was fine and you know as the game grew on he was starting to to understand that and shield the ball a bit better but yeah I think it's it's going to be a learning curve for Bruno who's become our 
absolute talisman already that he will now be the the um the player that teams target defensively yeah so si, i think that um you can draw some parallels there with with asm like people didn't really know how he played so he got loads of space he could dance on the ball he could take it right up the pitch box to box when basically when he started and then other teams started closing him down putting two or three players on him as soon as he got the ball i think other managers are looking at the way Bruno plays and doing the same sort of thing. Now, it's a massive benefit that we've got ASM when he's in his prime and Bruno in our team. That's two players now who can can move the ball in a sort of in a in a sort of I want to say like balletic way that that draws players from opposition teams to them. Um, but it's only useful if we if they aren't being closed out and 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 they aren't um and they aren't being they are being given space. And at the moment, Bruno's not being given that space. I think Bruno is a more disciplined player than ASM and I think he's going to work out what he can do to get out of those positions and out of those like situations. So I am excited to see how he deals with it. But yes, I think I think that um other Premier League managers are sort of latching on to how he plays and, and what he's doing. Totally agree. Totally agree. And you know, I'm pleased you brought up ASM there. Difficult day yesterday, like Emil said earlier. And ultimately, um, Newcastle's, you know, they still need attacking reinforcements. There were actually some really good positions first half that Newcastle got in, uh, where the wrong pass was played or a bad pass was played or the right pass was played. And it just it just fizzled out. We didn't get a chance. We didn't get a shot off. And, you know, Eddie Howe said there's no update, but they're working very hard. Even yesterday, you could look at yesterday from a resilience point of view to go away and play not great and get a point is too often what this team hasn't done in the previous couple of decades, uh, particularly the Premier League, and also the fact that eventually, whether it be this window or the next, you'd imagine much better attacking talent will come in uh, and those positions will be capitalised. So the the team have just got to keep doing what they're doing. but it depends how you look at it. The It will be easier to analyse this stuff once we're a little bit further into the season and we know how we're doing. I still think we're very, very good side. I think yesterday is a good point, a bad performance. That's okay. I'm happy to take points away from kind of when we don't play our best. And that's what happened yesterday. Um, I'd much rather be doing what we're doing at the minute um, and nicking points where we don't deserve them than be in Brighton shoes and taking points when you deserve much more. I know what's more frustrating as a football fan. We'll leave it there. Thanks to you three for your contributions, Charlotte and Emil. Hope you recover from that scorcher on the South Coast and get home okay. Uh, we'll be back probably with another podcast through the week, but definitely with a podcast next Monday after the Manchester City game. Um, and it's a massive test for Newcastle. Can't wait to talk about it and preview it this week for our patrons on that platform. Speak to you all then. Bye-bye. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.